WKXL in the morning. I'm your host, AJ Kirstead. NHTalkRadio.com. Get all the back episodes of the show, and the video versions are available on NHTalkRadio or WKXL on Facebook and Twitter, so check those out. This week, we had Jeff Feingold back to the show of the New Hampshire Business Review. Welcome back. Great to be back, AJ. So let's start off with an article you wrote about today, August 25th, when we're recording this. Uh, it looks like Shaheen, Custer, and Papas all joined in amicus brief in the high court for this non-discrimination case. Um, I, I will just say, like, the first episode I did for a legal podcast for uh, UNH Franklin Pierce, my full-time job, was on Masterpiece Cake Shop. And this is basically the next step in this ongoing di- just lack of decision being made when it comes to non-discrimination uh, in kind of creative sectors. Exactly. Actually, and, and the irony is, it also comes with masterpiece cake shop case, which involved the wedding cake. This involves involves wedding websites, yep. which it's is like really hanging fruit for. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I have, I have no idea why it's wedding, but I guess that's where you can show your uh, what, what you believe about certain people's lifestyles. I guess, yeah. but anyway, it involves this uh, Colorado uh, company. She's a woman's a graphic designer, and she creates websites for p- couples getting married. And she was trying to, and it, and what she did was say, "I'm doing this, but I will not uh, serve people involved in same-sex marriages." So she said, "I'm not going to create a website for you." So she was sued under Colorado law, which basically just current, just basically prohibits any kind of discrimination based sexual orientation. And she sued, and it found its way into the federal court system. And uh, in the last case, in the in the last ruling, it was a Tenth Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals, which is the which is the rung of courts right below the Supreme Court. They ruled against her and said, you know, they've supported the Colorado law. So they say you, you do not, it means that you can't discriminate and you just can't discriminate. So the uh, case is now going for the Supreme Court, which is, uh, which has shown in the last uh, couple of years that it's, uh, it's not exactly uh, friendly to certain cases that maybe would have been friendly uh, it would have been friendlier to uh, a little while ago, and I guess there's cause for concern. So, one of the steps is uh, the there's about 137 members of Congress have filed an amicus brief. That's uh, I think there's there's about most, about four about 14 of them are senators, and the rest are members of the House. And among them was Senator Shaheen and Congressman Custer and Pappas. And uh, what what they would what they've been trying to what they were trying to ask the court is say, look, we support we support these the rights of, of couples involved with same sex marriages, and this is you should not overturn this because it's not it's it's not something that is necessary to be done. The Colorado law is exactly is perfectly legitimate, and just leave it alone. But uh, apparently, uh, a lot of the watchers in the uh, court of the court are saying. That that it's likely that they will vote, they will support the the, the uh, business in this matter. Yeah, I mean, Clarence Thomas outright made in his uh, out, outlined in his opinion in the Dobbs decision that he he's for basically opening this all up, and the states and federal government, for that matter, should not be. Uh, should not be for allowing any of these laws to be going through. Basically, they he wants a clean slate. Yeah, I know, but what, and I guess what they're saying if it should be up to the states, this is Colorado law. So it would be interesting to say, well, this is what Colorado wants. Yeah. But you know, but it's not the first. It wouldn't be the first time that there's, uh, let's say, some hypocrisy on the part of people's beliefs. So, but there and there is a concern that that this is this will be a uh, 
you know, a canary in a coal mine and stuff. But uh, this is why the uh, that the, the three of our members of Congress, among the others, are, are, are getting you know getting out ahead of this thing. It'll be interesting to see what happens. It's going to be one of the cases that's going to be watched in in the next session, without a doubt. Yeah, and so people know that maybe aren't familiar. Like an amicus brief is it's a it's basically a friend of the court letter is what it is. You say yeah. so people of importance can can submit letters to Supreme the Supreme Court as part of cases, and then these are important for ongoing case law too. Like if down the road those can be referenced if say 20 years from now the court decides to change it can be referenced again that this is an ongoing expectation that a certain yeah. amount of our populations basically thought was the norm yeah exactly exactly and 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 we should point out that that congressman pappas is the co-chair of the lgbtq plus caucus in the in the house and he's also the first uh, openly gay member of the congress from new hampshire so this is a personal issue for him as well yeah it, yeah this will be so interesting to follow i mean with Masterpiece Cake Shop, when when that left off, it basically was just sent back to the state because the the Supreme Court decided that uh, Colorado's uh, civil rights coalition, whoever it is, division, whatever it is over there, didn't uh, follow the correct procedure and just sent it back over there, which which led to even more disaster for him to deal with. But I think ended up going away. No, actually, his business closed, didn't it? Yeah, I think that's what happened. I think it just kind of made it moot. So <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It, it, you know the uh, it's and also I think it was something to do. It might have been a COVID casualty, but I'm not quite sure about that. I don't know. Oh yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. So it's it, it's very hard. The court, especially the court before the the current setup we have with with the justices, basically passed off a lot of things. It's one thing that yeah. was very surprising when I kicked off the legal impact to find out is so many cases don't necessarily get decided how you would think a decision would be made. It's a lot of process and it ends up going back to lower courts or just going back to the beginning of litigation. Yeah, they they make them go through it, and, and and it'll be interesting what happens because the apparently this, the appeals court ru ruling was very decisive and very very you know black and white. So this is this is not the the employers the uh, the business is not on the right on this. Does New Hampshire have similar non discrimination laws in place like Colorado? I know Colorado is on the far end of, of yeah, where the, these come from. But... New Hampshire has anti discrimination laws. I don't know if they're similar to Colorado's or not. I don't. I haven't found. I've never heard of a case where someone's been sued because of discrimination specifically on uh, on a business not wanting to serve someone in new hampshire i you know there's been discrimination obviously against employers over hiring practices or the way right. people are treated on the job but in terms of serving someone as a customer that's a really interesting one i can't recall one myself yeah. It kind of goes against the libertarian nature of the state, yeah. one way or another, even the left yeah. or the right. They're like, we don't want your business. Go away. Yeah, and exactly. we you say, okay. That's, that's the thing that that strikes me is that I did, you know, someone you set up your business, but I'm not going to serve just certain kind of people. You know, I guess that's within your, I guess, I don't know if it is within your rights, but, you know, that's your choice. But it seems kind of like a, kind of a dumb idea <laughs> to just shut out a whole, a whole segment of the population and not who who are willing to give you the money for this, but they're, yeah. they're not, not going to take it. And I and this is one of the issues with masterpiece, and that, and also likely with this, especially with masterpiece though, is he was basically uh, trolled by every every known uh, person out there that was an activist to try and get him to say no, so he could put the right case together. And yeah. and that's part of the reason why it got so much attention was uh, after the fact is so many people were 
just tagging this guy and trying to get him to say no to things that uh, would be extreme, whether it's, I think there are even some yeah. Satanist level things that were even put through, but those yeah. didn't, obviously, it's pretty hard to hold up in court that you're not just trolling the guy at a certain point. <laughs> That's a very good point. <laughs> All right, let's move over to our good old crutch here for our business in the state, uh, real estate, because yeah, it's ongoing and there's always something involved with it. Uh, this is interesting, though. A 16-building Manchester apartment complex sold for $164 million. I mean, that's crazy. That's really it's a lot of money. It's for 640 units, so you can do the math on that. That's a lot of money per unit, and it's a company that's been you know involved in New Hampshire real estate for a long time, uh, and they – apparently made a decision this is the right time to make this deal and i can't blame them because it's a lot of money it's a big chunk of change i'm not quite sure what they paid for it but i'm sure it was nowhere near in that range and uh you know they've upgraded the, the apartments and all that but still it's really a sign of how valuable new hampshire real estate is and actually they mentioned it actually the, the head of, of the apartment of the company said specifically that the new hampshire market for apartments is, is about the strongest in all of new england and that's saying a lot, really, because as we know, it's it's all over the all over the region is this tightness for the market. But apparently, they see so the the investor who was not named uh, is uh, you know just sees that this is an opportunity to be in this market because it man as I said this 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 market is uh, right on this uh, complex is right on Route Three A in uh, Manchester, the road that goes along I ninety I ninety three up towards Hooksett and Bow. And it's right near the highways, and so it's it's a really good location. It's right near Manchester Manchester Community College and places like things like that. And uh, it's it, it's it's a whole there's a whole I don't know population of these kind of, of com complexes all along that road off off you know off into on side on side roads. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens if when the next deal comes because you know you know this like from watching sports you know. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You're saying the market price right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's this is this is the first that I've seen where the number is so high. But I mean, it makes sense. Route three A is a, is it's the perfect little. You want to get off off from the main strip a bit, but you're close enough to the highway. Um, the hooks at toll booth has been very very successful with everything that the common man yeah. and the liquor stores put in those locations. Uh, it's close to Manchester, which is becoming a kind of a hub for north of Boston at this point. Yeah, and that actually, yeah, it's very close, and it's not very far at all from downtown Manchester. It's only you know just a few minutes drive. It's not far at all, so it's 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 a really good location for. That's why those apartments are there. Yeah, also, yeah. And, and for those people who who are inclined you could be on 3a so if you're going to concord you don't have to pay a toll if you just drive on 3a it, it's also just there's your money a, a traffic perspective <laughs> i mean it it gets crazy from manchester up to up to concord on 93 on 293 oh, yeah, to be absolutely. able to take it's like we always we always keep tracks like okay is it going to start getting too crazy by the time we get to hooks it's like we're going to take route 3a to come up to concord and uh people it might encourage a lot more business growth over in that route which is kind well, of there, is a, yeah, there are there are a lot i mean there's, there's some major shopping just a couple of miles down the road you know it's a big market basket a big shopping center and other and other uh commercial stuff that that's just a target and mm -hmm. hope oh and all that kind of stuff's already there and a, and a, ba a bass pro shop. shop oh yeah Walmart. I mean, it's a whole bunch of stuff already there. So there's there's a lot. There's a there's a pretty sizable population there already. Yeah, it, it'll be great to see more development. I mean, it really 
if it probably really goes to show how much New Hampshire is becoming like a, a northern suburb of, of Boston. And well, how, always, how many, it always has been. Yeah, it's, you know, but it's, it's more think, parents I, now, I it seems probably, like. I, I think finally there are certain people that are going to say who who refuse to admit that. I think they're finally realizing this is the reality because it's been going on for many, many decades, if not a century or more. Mm-hmm. So, and we need the Boston, money up here. I mean, we need that. Boston's a, yeah, Boston is extremely important to the New Hampshire economy. That's my in many ways be the my major economic driver of it. Yeah. It's just just the idea. Boston's right there. If we had a different Vermont has a different kind of economy because it's farther away from Boston. Yeah, same with Maine for sure. I mean, the to be able to have that straight shot and uh, with the sea, the seacoast expanding also, you're really not that far away. You just hop up Route 101 and you see all sorts of developments on, on that strip from Manchester to the Portsmouth direction, Hampton Beach. Uh, there, yeah. there's, there's a lot of opportunity and it seems like especially the last decade just – Personally, because that, that's my experience as being a professional in the state and seeing the the expansion. Yeah. It seems like the last ten years, especially, people are really starting to develop these little spots like Hook It. Yeah. Hooks It, especially, has had a ton of new businesses put in. Yeah, well, one the, the I think that the most obvious one is all the way at the border itself in Salem, the Tuscan Village uh, development. Yeah. There, it's gigantic at the old Rockingham Park racetrack, and that's massive. I mean, just massive community. He's built a whole community with hundreds and hundreds of apartments and I, I don't know how many retail areas jobs and there's medical facility offices there and, and other offices and, and he, he's building a, bio, a life sciences campus there all on this property and it's right on the border with, with Boston's if it wasn't right on the border there and it's more than just tourism. I feel like most of the population in New England has to only consider the skiing and the camping yeah. and the hiking. It's like, no, there's a lot more to this that, especially if you want to get more investment into the state, you got to consider the businesses that are put in and the housing yeah. that's put in. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, there was another story just the other day in the Union Leader about United Therapeutics, which is which is a company that's one of the uh, off, you know, who come here because of uh, – the army, you know, the bio, the the regenerative medicine initiative, and apparently they they've just taken over this building that used to be where Autodesk was. Autodesk was a, you know, a mainstay of, of the New Hampshire tech scene, but they left left those offices. They've been taken over by United Therapeutics. They're going to put their sign up, and they apparently expect a lot of growth in this in, in the actual manufacturing, three D manufacturing of organ parts. I mean, we're talking about you know, science fiction stuff not too long ago, and it's come becoming a reality, and that's happening in Manchester, New Hampshire. And they're not going to be, they'll be only, they're not, they're not, they're only one of the companies that will be involved in that. So when you talk about investment in the state, this is, this is one of the big things they're talking about. Yeah, it's a prime opportunity for higher education right now, just around there. You figure all the schools, San Anselm College, SNHU, and their online campus is right there in next door. UNH is right next door. University of New Hampshire, Manchester building is right across right across the parking lot from yeah. where, the, where the United Therapeutics building is. So it's it's right there. And, you know, all of Dean Kamen's offices are in the mill yard in the same area. It's really, really quite a dynamic dynamic happening right now. Yeah, and Army is located, even has par- partially up on the third floor of the UNH uh, building, yeah. too, in the Pandora yeah. building. They've basically, there's a partnership with them and the university in order to do the uh, massive COVID lab that they built up for this part of the state is in yes. that third floor of the Pandora building. Absolutely, absolutely. It's all over It's all over the, the Manchester Mill Yard. It's really, 
quite an impressive thing to see because someone who's been working in the mill yard and now living here, I, our first offices in the mill yard were in, in the late 80s. And we were one of the first service businesses the, in the Hampshire Business Review was one of the first service businesses in, in the mill yard because until then it was very difficult to do it. They just, they just wanted manufacturers. And when they met manufacturers, it was like, I guess, textile manufacturers and stuff. And it was people like Dean Kamen who convinced the city officials, you've got to change the, uh, the zoning in this place because it's this is, can be a great magnet. And if you look today, there's tech companies all over the place, engineering companies, uh, law firms, you know, media companies, just, just hundreds of different businesses, thousands of people working in the mill yard. And when we first moved here, we was, there were only a couple of buildings that were had been redeveloped for offices by then. I mean, even in 2008, when I was covering the uh, the presidential primary as a student journalist for Franklin Pierce University, which also has a campus right there in the mill yard also. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. the, the empty mill buildings were used for like little events and with the candidates to go Absolutely. in and have their election night stuff. And they were quite sketchy, <laughs> all the ones I went into yeah. with all the insulation and everything. And now, I oh, mean, yeah. there are these high-end apartments, all these businesses are in there. Oh yeah, yeah. No, no, I live in an apartment here. It's, it's great. It's great. There's, there's enough. There are about two other buildings that have apartments now, and uh, really quite a. It's, it's been really impressive for someone who's seen it happen from really nothing. I mean, the, the mills were just kind of an eyesore to the city, and there were people who really just wanted to tear them down at one point. And fortunately, they, you know, cooler heads prevailed. So. All right, give your last two minutes here. I'll let you do a quick plug for your upcoming event. It looks like you've got DEI from Talk to Action taking place on yeah. September 15th. What's that about? Yeah, this is this is a, a th the third in our series of, uh, of events on, it's an in-person event on uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And it's not just about, you know, you know, just talking about why it's necessary for you, but this is going to be something that's going to be like a hands-on kind of event where people get uh, case studies to actually learn things and take away things about how and why you why you should do certain things in terms of you know certain approaches you can take in your business you know that fits your business uh and you know really what the benefits are because the yeah I, I can't go into details too much about the benefits but i can just tell you there's a lot of them and and the most important one is the bottom line because companies that that practice true the dei uh have to true, true, true support of dei have really shown that they've been more profitable. They've had better. They, they have their employment. Their employee base is their workforce is much more engaged and much more eager to stay and support the company, which is really, you know, the real goal of what it is when you're in business. Cool. It's right there on the top of nhbr.com if you want to uh, learn more about it and sign up. Jeff Feingold over the New Hampshire Business Review. Thanks for joining me. It was great talking with you, AJ. Take care. WKXL in the morning. I'm your host, AJ Kirsted. We'll be right back after this.